，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Today, a young woman whose accomplishment at just 24 years old is frankly intimidating. Vivi Lin is a period equity activist. As a college student just before the pandemic, Vivi launched an NGO called With Red. She's been working with the public, the private, and the civic society to raise awareness and boost education for women's health, to bring affordable menstrual products, and to eliminate stigma surrounding menstrual cycles. Whenever someone asks me, Emily, who are some Taiwanese youth who are shaping the future of Taiwan? I always point them to Vivi. Vivi Lin has a clear vision of how to make a positive influence for her community. She's a great negotiator, and she's already working on policy on a global level. When Vivi is not in Taiwan, she can be found at international forums like the United Nations, working on women's health. For her work, Vivi received the prestigious Diana Legacy Award from the UK for the recognition of exceptional young leaders of the world. She's the only Taiwanese to have received this award, and she got to video chat with Prince Harry. What you're about to hear is the podcast edition of Game Changers with Emily Waiwu, where I speak with emerging leaders, individuals I have gotten to know in the last several years. These are the fresh faces of Taiwan you must get to know. They are young, they're cool, they're hip, they are changing the world, starting in Taiwan. This is the Taiwan Take. I'm your host Emily Waiwu. Welcome to a new conversation of Game Changers. And after today's episode, if you want to see a video version, head on over to YouTube. We'll have a link in the show notes. Here's policy advocate Vivi Lin. Thank you for joining us. So before we get into what you're doing and how you managed to do everything, what did you say to Prince Harry? Right. So I was introducing、um, our work in Taiwan and also just basically what Hall West Red Organization has been doing. And then it was really surprising because he told us that、um, he was having he was having this chat with his wife, Meghan Markle, the day before, and he said his wife was really really interested in our work and she actually checked up our website and all that kind of stuff. So I was very surprised because I was like, he could have just say, "Oh yeah, great job," and then like shut the chat. But then he actually had that conversation with us, and then talked to me about, you know, you have to take care of yourself first.、Um, the most thing that I worried about you is that you work too much, so just make sure that you take care about yourself first, and then take care of others. That reminder was really important to me. Wow, I think he's totally right. Period equity is a global movement, and you're the face of this movement in Taiwan. And actually, this isn't something that's new to you. You've been struggling with health for quite a long time, quite publicly. Talked about having really bad cramps growing up because of menstrual cycles, and eventually,、um, when you were 17, you had a tumor. What was it about that experience that made you say, you know what? There's something wrong with the way we talk or not talk about periods and menstrual cycles. I think when I got my first period, I was actually very scared because I didn't know that was period, and I wanted to talk to. My parents, my family, or my friends, my teachers. But whenever I ask people,、um, I got my period. What should I do? 
They always say, "Don't talk too loud. You shouldn't talk about it." I was very curious about why I kind of talked about it. Well, because in Taiwan, right, we have these code names. Yeah, it's like that, that auntie, yeah, big aunties here, yeah, or like, like your bestie. Hey, you have that. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's when I um, that's a moment I start feeling like, oh, this is something that I want to look into. But also because of all the severe crimes and also endometriosis that has been. Just like a big part of my life because it's not just one day and it's just one day in a month. It's like a week or more than a week because ever since you know I ovulate every single month, I started having all these nauseas, fatigue, all that kind of feeling that accompany me every single day. So that has been a huge part of my life, and that really drove my attention to look more into menstruation and look more into why people cannot talk about it and how can we. You know, just cope with it more healthily, also more comfortably. You were quite the young activist. You were going to school in high school and teaching your classmates about periods. I actually started doing that in middle school. So I brought a lot of different menstrual products to school.、Um, at the time, I think Taiwan only has like two brands of tampons. It wasn't really popular. I mean, it's still. Not that popular right now, becoming more and more popular. But then、um, at the time, I just felt like people should know about their options before choosing it, right? Before they make choices.、Um, so I just brought a lot of different menstrual products to school and then share with all my friends, and not just my female friends, but also my male friends.、Um, and I realized that people actually really want to know how to use it and just want to know more about it. But then. People didn't feel comfortable talking to me in public、um, when asking all these questions. So they always say after school to ask me all the questions about all these menstrual products and menstruation. And then contrast this to、um, when you were 17, you moved to Europe,、um, and during that time you were volunteering at a hospital in Tanzania. What was there about access to products,、um, you know, that affected the women there? Yeah, so I was basically working with women and children、um, in Tanzania, and what happened was I saw a lot of patients that came to our clinic.、Um, a lot of them had wounds and rashes on their labia, and one patient has it, but then a lot more patients having it. I start asking、um, the professor there. I was very curious what happened to them, and then the professor said to me, saying. Um, basically, we don't really have access to clean and hygienic、uh, menstrual products. And here comes my second question. I ask him, "Okay, then why don't I see a lot of people asking for that?" And he said, "Because they didn't really know that you actually need to use them. So a lot of them are using rags or socks or just newspapers,、uh, whatever they can get to manage their period." So I started talking to all the women that I see in the clinic, saying that, "Oh, do you know more? Do you want to know more about menstrual products? Do you want to?" Feel more comfortable during your period,、um, and that was the moment I realized, okay, period poverty is a thing, and it's not a thing that's so far away from us, but it's something that's just right next to you. And then I started wanting to know more about period poverty. You know what happened all around the world? Are there any other people suffering from period poverty, not just in Tanzania, but also in other places in the world? It's not just about the lack of kind of、um, products or not or what、also、not to use it knowledge, but it harms their health as exactly. well. Exactly,、um, and not just physical health, but also their mental health. Is that when you decided that this was going to be your cause? 
it was really when I moved to Scotland and then I was very lucky to be able to join the Scottish movement in terms of making menstrual products free for all. Um, and I realized, okay, this is something that can be possible in the real world. And if Scotland can do it, Taiwan can definitely do it. So then that was a moment I decided to found the organization in my dormitory. I was literally after a shower, sitting right in front of my desk and be like, you know what, let's do it. I didn't know what's gonna, I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what's next. I didn't know where can I get the funding. I didn't know where to find the partners. But then I was just like, this is something I want to do. And this is something that needs to be done. So let's just do it. I love this. this not knowing what you're gonna do, but then what you end up doing is making such an impact in Taiwan and in such a short time too. I guess I was just lucky. <laughs> well, I don't think it was just luck. Um, there's a lot of hard work um, ahead. After you establish your organization in your dorm room when you were in Edinburgh, COVID hit. Um, and then you made that really famous video um, on behalf of Taiwan. Um, after that, you moved back to Taiwan. You took a two years off during COVID. So this is um, summer summer 2020. Yeah, yeah. So I came back during summer holiday. I didn't think of staying in Taiwan until when I realized that actually this is the moment. This is the moment to initiate this menstrual movement. And I always believe that learning is a lifelong journey. So you can learn and you can study throughout your whole life. You have so many four or six years to study but then when the moment is there, you have you just have to grab it. You just have to stay there and then do the things that you have to do. So I wrote a letter to my professor and my professor wrote a letter back to me. She said, if this is the moment, then I fully support you. You can come back to study, you know, two years, four years after. It really doesn't matter. But if this is a thing that you have to do, then do it. So that was the moment that I decided to just took a year off and then it turns out to be two years. But that, that's still crazy to me. Uh, you took a year off to launch an NGO. Yeah. And I literally, so I actually booked a flight back, um, but then I canceled my flight one day before the flight departure. You pulled together the government, private institutions, civic societies to convince everybody that period equity is really important and something that needs to be changed. Your NGO employs about 15 people. Your um, education materials are all are everywhere in about 90 schools in Taiwan so far. Elementary schools, middle school, high school, colleges. Um, you're working with the government to supply menstrual products to everybody. You opened a museum. Yes, we did. Last year, actually, because of 2023 now. <laughs> We always feel really lucky working in Taiwan because this society has been really, really supportive. And this is something that's very unique around the world because we do communicate with a lot of people all around the world working on similar topics. Um, the other menstrual activists always tell us you have to understand how lucky you are to work in Taiwan because a lot of them do not have access to talk to their government, their local legislators um, and their public even. But then working in Taiwan, after four years of work, we've seen a lot of different policy changes here. Um, for example, a lot of different cities, Taipei, Tainan, um, Taoyuan, they are all providing free menstrual products um, in some public spaces. Um, in Taipei, we're even doing a pioneer project to provide free menstrual products to middle school students and primary students. 
um, and in a lot of different other cities, such as Jinju, we've been doing a lot of educational works with all the teachers in primary schools and their students, and also their parents. Um, so that that's that's very convincing, and that's very, you know, just just something that we've been really excited about. Um, and yeah, let's see. Um, we've also been doing a lot of different social work with all different cities in Taiwan. So our coverage now is all the cities in the Taiwan island and some outlying islands as well. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll ask Vivi how she's able to convince all the stakeholders, governments, private, civic society, how to convince them to make a change that seems so simple and yet it's been lacking for so long. Hey, if you have enjoyed the Taiwan Take and would like to support Ghost Island Media, we take monthly donations on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash Taiwan. And please give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This helps other people find the show. All right. Thank you. And back to the show. Welcome back to Game Changers with Emily Waiwu. This is where I talk to some really cool people in Taiwan who are doing really important things in the world. Today, we've been talking to Vivi. Vivi's organization has been unlocking a big problem that seems that not many of us have been able to change. She's working on period equity and making menstrual products accessible for all. Vivi, this all happened in 2022. So if I'm just just doing the math, you had one year to line everything up. That's true. (laughs) How did you do this? I mean, this is like an impossible task. You just have to work 365 days, 24-7. No, I'm joking. But um, apart from that, I think one of the things that's very important is our why not strategy. So we always talk to people. We never demand people to do something. We never judge people. We always invite them to join. It's okay for you not to join but we will welcome you if you join. And also, um, whenever we talk to people or negotiate with people or lobbying with the government, we always try to remove all these obstacles that we already can see right in front of them. For example, for a lot of uh, legislators or you know people working in public sectors, what they're most worried about is um, their constituency. So we have to make sure that we convince them and we tell them this is what the people want. People actually support that. And as civil society, we can actually do that because our power comes from how we gather people's power, how we gather people's shared values and how we gather people's opinions together and then make sure that we're all moving towards to the world that we all want to live in. So you're a really good negotiator. I would say I'm a really good listener. Um, because I always listen to people's opinions and their views before I talk to them. And I try my best to be um, the most considerate person um, for everyone. And I try to be as empathetic as possible. Um, I try to understand people's opinion even though they do not agree with me or they do not agree with our organization. We always invite people who are against us or who challenge us because we always felt like a lot of challenges or you know, a lot of conflicts come from people's misunderstanding. And when it comes to all these chats, I'm actually very excited about all these chats because uh, that's the moment that we realize, actually, 
we have more things in common than things different. I love that, finding the places where we have in common and play up that strength and say this is something that we're working towards together. And it's not just Taiwan, right? You're connected with the global movement too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now that's it. you're still a student at Edinburgh, so hopefully maybe there's more work in the UK in the future. Exactly. So we're going to launch some work in Scotland as well, um, because a lot of our advocacy work can actually transform into an international kind of advocacy work. Um, and we've also been hosting um, different forums in the UNCSW. So we're going to do that again this year in March in the UN headquarters to talk about um, Taiwan's menstrual movement and also other menstrual movements in Asia. Why do you think people have been particularly receptive to you? I mean, what do you tell them? You walk into a room, um, you're trying to convince a particular city government or a particular uh, school um, or a private foundation. What do you tell them? I think the first thing is always, this is something that's so simple and so basic, but we just don't realize it. We just don't talked about it before. Um, when when you convince people or when you share this elephant in the room to people, the first thing, they will be really shocked. They will be like, oh, why didn't I think of this before? And then the second part would be, well, everybody can take part in this. Like everybody's equally important. This is what I always tell people. Um, and I always tell people, I don't care if I'm the person doing it but I care more about how many people are doing it, how sustainable we're doing it, because we don't want to make a flat change. We want to make a change that's sustainable in the society. Um, and I always tell people that, you know, it's, it's not your fault that this is there, but it's a structural issue and it's been there for a long time, but we can make a change now. And I think people are always very willing to be part of a change, especially a change that can actually impact so many, so many people around the world. So that's how I always tell people. And also um, it's just a very simple thing to do, but then it can actually make the world a better place. So why not do it? <laughs> Where does this come from, the drive for advocacy, kind of the love for, you know, working kind of to, to improve the world? I think growing up in Taiwan really changed um, a lot of things, a lot of, you know, the way I think about advocating for human rights or advocating for um, the justice that you believe in. Um, growing up, my parents always tell me, whatever that you have right now, it's because of a lot of work that our generations, like a previous generation, fighting for all these rights for our current generation on this land. So knowing that, making me think, if I want my next generations to have a better world to live in, then I will have to fight for it. And I will have to advocate, I will have to be as courageous as our previous generations. What does the future look like for you? What, what is the five-year plan, 10-year plan for Vivi? So for Vivi, um, I feel like advocacy is going to be a lifelong work for me. Um, I would never stop advocating for, for a better future. And I think one of the reasons why I went to Unite World College to study was because I do believe that we can achieve, uh, we, can, we may not be able to achieve peace, but we can be as close as possible to peace. And I think that's gonna be my five year, 10 years, or even 50 years plan. I love how you started all this by just saying, I don't know how it's gonna happen. I'm in my dorm room, but I'm just gonna give it a try because 
I see that something needs to change. And then you just went ahead and did it. Because I just feel like nothing is impossible. You know, when I watched the movie Avengers, um, the last one, when they say there is like thousands and thousands of possibility that's impossible that they're going to fail, but then there's one and they tried it. And that was a moment I feel like that's me. That's always me. As long as there's one chance that I can do it, as long as there's one route that can get to the end point, then I would do it. And I'm just so in awe of what you do. I mean, you've already achieved. It's so daunting, uh, but you make it seem so easy. Every time I see you on stage, launching new projects, it actually, the, the impact it has on me is like, wait, if she can do this, like, we can all do anything. You make it seem so effortless and easy. Because I do, I do believe that advocacy should be as simple as something that everybody can do in their daily life. And I think that's, you know, the, the perfect route um, for making advocacy more and more popular. Okay, before we let you go, here's a question that we ask everybody. Um, you know, of your accomplishments so far, how much was given to you versus how much did you have to fight for? Um, so following your question, um, saying that I make it sounds very easy. I think to be fair, I, I do believe I work to my full potential and I do the best out of my ability every single day because I do treat every single day as my last day. Um, I've encountered a lot of different occasions where I almost lose my life. So after all these occasions, I was just telling myself, you never know what's going to happen next. The only thing you can do is to do the best out of ability um, in whatever you can control. And after that, you have to give yourself to faith and fate. But before you give yourself to faith and fate, you have to make sure that you strive for the things, the mission, the values that you want to strive for, um, you know, to the maximum. And, and that's a moment you give yourself to faith and faith. And um, to be fair, um, my parents didn't come from a very wealthy background. So they always tell me, whatever we can give you, it's in here. You're going to cherish whatever it's in here. And you're going to use the big heart with all the knowledge that you have and all the reflection and thinking that you have to make sure that you support the people around you. Um, because they are also the people that make you you. Because I felt like growing up in Taiwan, if if it's not all these, you know, public school system and also just a lot of supportive community, I wouldn't be able to sit here. Yeah, if there's like a big takeaway from today, just just do it, right? Exactly. That's that's what I tell myself every day. Um, nothing is impossible, right? So you just have to try and do it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you are also a game changer in your country, or if you're also working on period equity, please get in touch with Vivi Lin and with Red. Um, you can find her and her organization on all the social medias. Also, welcome to our museum. It's in Taipei and it's free entry for everyone. We are gonna make it bilingual, so regardless of where you come from, what language you speak, we'll try our best to welcome you. And when she said the only, she meant the only period museum in the world. Uh, my name's Emily Waiwu, you can find me on all socials. And as always, do check out, stick around for, on Taiwan Plus for more programs from Taiwan. Follow and subscribe.
See you next time. The video version of this interview was broadcasted on Taiwan Plus, the TV channel. We'll have a link for you in the show notes. I'm your host and producer, Emily Wai Wu. Our associate producer, who also helped with scripting, is Ting Ye. Researcher is Min Chao. Assistants are Gerald Williams and Teresa Yang. Podcast editing by Dino Lin. Our director for the video shoot was Letitia Fan. Kaylee Emerson was our post-production supervisor. Video editing by Emma Chow and Vivi Wang, with additional production support by Elaine Lai. Thank you for the executives and colleagues at Taiwan Plus: Shirley Kang, Kelly Kuo, Eric Yang, and Jenny Luo. See you next time.